G'day team, this is Dale Sales. Welcome to Chat 10, Look 3. What does that bloody mean? I wouldn't have a clue. Now, if you listen to this podcast, first of all, take a bloody good look at yourselves, you whackers. And second, if you must listen to it, do something bloody useful at the same time, like tidy up your shed if you're a bloke, or tidy up the kitchen if you're a sheila. Now, I've got no idea what this is about, but I believe it's got something to do with prawn and crab sales. Leave a review on iTunes if you want to. Whatever iTunes is, we'll never flame and clue. I've only been in Dingletown for five minutes, and my daughter's making me do this bullshit. That's it for now. Hooroo, DS out. Hit it. One, two, three, four, five. Sorry, let's actually start. Hello! Hello! Final chat ten look three for the year! We've made it! We're at the end. Um, I love the last episode, she says. Veteran of one last episode of the year so far. Last year was terrific. Um, and Is there going to be a cliffhanger? There- Oh, that reminds me. I was going to bring Flora's fancy to read you another little oh, bit. Oh, dear God, you haven't. This is the one thing I wanted for Christmas. I oh, know. Sorry. I've been so rushed today. I'm in a real hurry because I'm interviewing Leonardo DiCaprio. Bang! <laughs> <laughs> you know, so here's the context. We're actually sitting in Sales's office, literally waiting for Leonardo DiCaprio to call. Now, <laughs> there have been... Let me. Am I right, Sales? Over the last 10 days, there have been ba- like a series of opportunities mm. for t- us to record this final podcast. And you've been all like, oh, oh no, no, I broke a nail. Oh, no, 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 I can't. Now I understand that you, in your passive-aggressive way, <laughs> have been orchestrating it so that we can be sitting in your office and get interrupted by a call from Leonardo DiCaprio. To the degree that I just emailed my producer and said, when Leo's ready, can you please knock on the door and say, Salzy, Leonardo DiCaprio's on the phone. So you can say, can you tell him I'm busy? I can say. So that's brilliant, and I think probably apocryphal story about um, the guy at the chairman's lounge um, at some airport that notices that Kerry Packer's in the same, you know, area and goes up to him and says, oh, my God, I'm so sorry to um, interrupt you, Mr Packer, but, you know, I'm about to be joined by some of my business associates and I'm really trying to repress them. It would just mean so much to me if you would come up and say hello while I'm talking to them, you know, <laughs> and Packer's in this sort of good mood, so he goes, oh, all right, you know. And so, sure enough, these people turn up and the guy's chatting with them and... Um, along comes Packer and taps this guy on the shoulder and says, excuse me, Andrew, or whatever. And the guy turns around and says, oh, piss off, Packer. Can't you see I'm busy? <laughs> <laughs> That's just too good. Um, just while we're on name dropping and stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This will be your bag, I guess. Harrison Ford. Clay, oh, who I interviewed I, last week. Right. Um, he hilariously, I won't say what hotel he was staying at, but he was staying at a hotel... But we had to use a code name every time oh, we referred to no. him. And his code name was Mr. Mud. And so it got to the point where, so we'd ring and be like, listen, just wanted to touch base about the room for the Harrison Ford interview. And be like, no, I'm sorry, we didn't have anyone here by that name. If you're referring to Mr. Mud. No. So, <laughs> so we arrived at the hotel for the interview. Hi, we're here for the Harrison Ford interview. No, I'm Blake sorry, there's nobody here by that name. We're here for the Mr. Mud interview. <laughs> Did you have to refer to him as Mr. Mud Not face to his to face? face? Only any time we referred to him. It'd be fantastic him. if you did, though, wouldn't it? Hi, Mr. Mud. Welcome to the program. Um, oh, that's very funny. But, look, when uh, you disclosed online in your girlish fashion that you were about to interview Harrison Ford, some incredibly eagle-eyed or eagle-eared, uh, bat-eared um, Chat 10 Looks 3 listener immediately got in touch to remind us of some point at some podcast past 
where we actually discussed, hypothetically speaking, I know. what would happen if one day you were called upon to interview Harrison Ford <laughs> for the new Star Wars movie. I went back and listened to it because several people tweeted me and said, oh my God, go back and listen to your own episode 25 at 51 minutes or whatever, um, which I did. And it's me saying, talking about, it's my anxiety pre-interviewing Julie Andrews, yeah, yeah. and it's me saying... Um, I mean, you just don't want to mess with your childhood nostalgia like that. Like, I mean, imagine if, you know, with the new Star Wars coming out, imagine if they rang and said, Harrison Ford's available, as if I'd want to interview Harrison Ford. What I, what I particularly love about this episode is not only that neither of us can remember having that exchange, although it's clearly there, it's been, it's, you know, it's in the ago. podcast. It's about two weeks ago. <laughs> I like that. I also like... Uh, the completeness of your absolute climb down <laughs> from your point of principle. Harrison Ford, sure, I'd love to interview him. <laughs> what about topless? <laughs> I love that. You clearly have no moral fibre whatsoever. Exactly. Now, before we get interrupted by Leonardo DiCaprio, <laughs> clang, um, this times? is, of course, our Christmas episode where it we is. talk about the things that we have liked, you know, our hits of the year, basically, the hit parade. Although keeping in mind that we can't remember a podcast that we put up two weeks ago, oh, it's God. really not going to be a broad spectrum thing, oh. is it? And also you've brought me in some <laughs> lovely baked goods, some... Spicy nuts Spicy from your nuts. deliver from your cookbook special delivery. And what are these little things? Uh, they're rumbles. Ooh, they're actually oh a gluten-free rumble. Now, don't make that stop you eating them. Um, I have a number of gluten-free friends because I'm getting yes. older, uh, and uh, I have experimented with a gluten-free rumble. Um, mm. Would you like one? Yeah, you I would you? actually. I'm starting. Oh, good on you. Okay, thank you. Um, they look very nice. Uh, yeah, so we're going to run through our favourite books, movies, TV, you know, the whole work. So why don't I kick it off well before I eat the rumble? Mm. I'll start with film because I never have time to go to any films, mm. so I don't really have a good bank of films yep. to choose from. But I enjoyed a documentary called Dior and I, which oh. was about the guy who had been appointed to take over... Um, he was chief designer at Christian Dior and it was his first collection that he was pulling together and just the pressure to come up with something amazing. I, lo I love fashion. All oh, the fashion docos are just They're full so on, good. aren't they? They're so, so good. So I Did really you like um, Pret-a-Porter? Yes. Mm. And I liked the uh, Saturday, um, the September issue. Oh, yeah, that was uh, good too. That was a great one. And, and there's one actually I'm hoping to watch over summer. It's not really fashion, but it's sort of that New York world. It's called Iris. It's about a woman called Iris Apple. Oh. It is this fabulous sort of style maven who lives in New York City. Did you get to many movies this year? Hardly any, but I've, I did go to one. It's not very original of me to pick this movie, but I just find now that I've got too many children and too many jobs, I hardly ever get to go to the movies um, live and unencumbered, unless it's like a, you know... Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> yeah, or an animated <laughs> thing wow. with my children, um, which I spend taking them to the toilet and not actually seeing the film. Of course. But... Um, and so I, I find them really curmudgeonly, like I really, in order to get to a film, I really want to know that it's going to pay off. And when mm -hmm. it doesn't, I feel really annoyed because yeah, I think right. I could have been going out for dinner or like doing something else kind of vaguely adult. Um, right. So when I went to see Birdman oh, earlier yeah. this year, I just left it the happiest creature alive, you oh, know. Right, right. I really liked it. Um, it was funny. It was original. It wasn't sort of hackneyed or annoying. It held my attention. I hate the slump that you sometimes get where you're like, well, I love the first hour, and yeah. then I resented, you know, the last 20 minutes or whatever. So um, that is a film that made me very happy. I liked it. I liked it a lot. Well, his follow-up film is actually the one I'm about to talk to Leonardo DiCaprio about, Clang, The Revenant. Um, oh, which you've seen, of course. Yeah, which I saw yesterday, which it wasn't my bag, 
It was a very good film. It was amazingly directed and shot and acted. I mean, it, it, it was a very, very good film. But um, it reminded me of There Will Be Blood. It's everyone's filthy, freezing, it's bleak, mm. there's a revenge story. It's just hardcore. Um, it's like the film version of reading a Cormac McCarthy novel. <laughs> that is exactly what it's like. So if that's your bag, off you go. The Suffering but... of Others. What was that one? What was that terror? I never saw it, but what was that film about that was basically loosely based on the Lonigans, you know, like the people who went out on the dive boat in um, oh, I don't know. Queensland and were left there and then, you know, mm. presumably were consumed by sharks or something. Um, yeah. there, was a, there was a film made that was about basically a couple who were bobbing around in the ocean waiting to be eaten by sharks. Like, it sounds a bit... I don't know. I, I, I think I'm a bit... But what's the dialogue like? So, I well, guess, what's been your favourite book of the year? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got to kill a bit of time till the sharks come. That was like a lot of this movie was Leonardo just sort of dragging his forlorn body through acres of snow. No, wow, really, Charlotte. Yeah, it wasn't my bad. I don't know, films about intense physical discomfort, just really. I just, I think, particularly if you're comfortable in a cinema watching it, the, the disparity of the experience is so awful. Oh, you know? yeah, I know. Like, um, um, or where there's a sequence that's just so, like Marathon Man, you know, mm. that um, film where Dustin Hoffman gets tortured and has his teeth ripped out. Oh, like, yeah, you I can I mean, Not my yeah. bag. Um, now, because I'm, I never get to leave the house... So Glad we got out that, that criticism out of the way before Leo DiCaprio <laughs> yeah, I'm glad actually calls you. I'm clang, glad, clang. I'm glad I got it off my chest. Um, now, because I struggle to get to films, I end up watching more television. Yes, you and, do, don't you? And also, because I fall asleep all the time, nice yeah. little bite-sized chunks of stuff is actually about where I'm at. So... Um, the TV that I liked the most this year, Olive Kitteridge, which I talked about oh, yeah. in the podcast, mm. which was a four-part miniseries. That it's I mean, it's a wonderful scene. book I've too. With that over summer, I think it was truly something special. I really highly recommend that. The show that I, the only show I actually watched live when it went to air every week because I was so obsessed with it, I loved it so much, was The Americans. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. which is again I've talked about it before. Yep. A spy thriller set in Washington in the 1980s to Russians living undercover, posing as Americans, are, you know, just living their lives. It's really fantastic. Uh, and also, I'm going to say, for me, one of the highlights of the televisual year, undoubtedly, was that Four Corners episode of Jackson and Lawler. Okay, that's what I. Uh, that's exactly what I was going to nominate as my moment of the year as well. It's just like, it's so funny, isn't it? Like that in this world, like this exploding world of televisual content, where you can kind of sit in your own house and whistle up all sorts of brilliance that people are coming up with in all the corners of the globe. God, that was a great hour of TV. It truly was because it was, it was, it ticked everything you want. Like, okay, it was a good piece of journalism, but actually for what I want to watch from TV, I want to be entertained, I want to be stimulated, I want to be riveted. You want to be barely believing what you're seeing. Absolutely. Yeah. It just ticked every single box. Great characters, great story. It was just, you know, if it's still up and in the, my view. The yeah. more you thought about it, the more kind of layers were were exposed fantastic. as well. Um, look, um, Louis Eriglou won a Walkley this year and I just thought it was the best deserved Walkley of that whole award ceremony. He's a genius he really um, is. with the camera and um, I mean he he won it for the killing season which was another um, fabulous piece of work um, and it's a really great demonstration of how camera work can just oh, yeah. take a story that's already great and make it Superb, and yeah, I think that some of the insights in that um, Jackson Lawler episode of um, uh, Four Corners 
are clearly to do with his intelligence and capacity to like notice something and sometimes like pull right back mm. so that he's not inserting himself in the situation. That's right. Um, but you, you see something uh, and you're just using your eyes to understand what's going on necessar without necessarily using your ears. It's just, yeah, there and are a few when, moments like that. that when show. you get great, great camera work like that, the script can write itself mm. because the camera work's doing all the heavy lifting. Mm. So, yeah, I completely agree. Very thoroughly well-deserved. Um, I've got a television thing that um, I saw, and I can't remember if I talked about it in our last podcast because my brain is so horribly exhausted at this time of the year. That, yeah. But um, I was watching a Netflix series called Master of None. Oh, I've heard other New people York. talk about yeah. that. Yeah. Um, so it's written and, and it, by and it stars a guy called Aziz Ansari, who's oh, a, yeah. who's a um, uh, comic you know, comedian. And this series, which is... He's an out-of-work... Oh, he's a sort of perennially in-work actor who does lots of acting in commercials and stuff, and he's sort of, you know, looking for a girlfriend then sort of finds a girlfriend, and, and it's him and his mates. Um, it's sort of a bit like a much more modern Friends, um, but um, without the sort of um, cultural um, monotony of Friends. Like, this group of Friends are quite racially diverse, but it's it's never really like a pointed thing. Right. Um, it's just these people kind of, you know, living their lives and having funny conversations and having weird, weird okay. stuff happen to them. Just but half hour. Yeah. Right. But it's just, it's charming. It's right. really, really funny and kind of has that knack of kind of getting quite dark, but in a funny way, you know, just like Louis C.K. or, oh, you yeah, know, great. some of those other great comedians who can be funny when they're being quite profound. Yeah, it's, it's, I really, I think you'd enjoy it. It's a, it's oh, a it great little great. series and I just chewed straight through it. Right. Um, of course, we've both multiple times talked about Veep as well. Oh, God, Veep. I just like, if I could give up something quite central to myself to ensure that another series of that <laughs> show gets to me straight away, I would really consider it. I and mean, I have three children, right? You've got a spare right there. Mm. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I, the thing that I respect about that show, and we've talked about it um, before, is that it really mastered the transition from, you know, um, the lead character being the vice president and that being the sort of central gag of the show, you know, that she was this sort of, um, you know, vice presidents in America are always funny because they're sort of incredibly senior and yet totally useless. Um, yeah. And that was the gag of the show. But it somehow managed to survive even her becoming president, which mm. is a really, you know, yeah. it, it shows that um, that's a very nifty and um, and um, nimble totally. format, I guess. Because I don't think you could say the same of House of Cards. No. And also, uh, it's an ensemble, but every character feels yeah. really unique, mm. which is really um, very well done too. Now, what about, let's talk a little bit about baking, um, or cooking actually. Yeah. Let's start with um, your favourite new recipe that you discovered for like a main course type savoury dish sort of thing. Uh, ma, 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 ma. Well, look, can I allowed to say something from my own cookbook? Because one of the things about writing a cookbook with my, you know, best friend from primary school, she now lives in London, so um, all the stuff that we used to cook for each other and take to each other's houses, you know, ever since she moved to a different side of the world, it's like there's been, like, I know about her dishes because she sends me recipes and stuff, but she's, I've never tasted them when she's made them for me, you know, which is really sad because mm. she's usually better at making them than I am. So one of the things about, she came over and um, we went to a test, you know, a kitchen and we made the food and shot the cookbook. And one of the nicest things about that was actually tasting this stuff that I've yeah. been reading about 
you know, the way that she um, made it. And there is a recipe that um, is in the book for a um, vegetarian cassoulet, which just makes oh. people who really are cassoulet fans kind of die with their leg in the air because, you know, your standard cassoulet <laughs> involves dog? quite a heavy death toll for the it animal does. world. Like, there's, there's, like, dark, there's beef, there's <laughs> lamb, there's, like, yeah, there. there's all sorts of, you know, wiping out a lot of the ecosystem to, to make your average cassoulet. And when, you know, you say you're making it vegetarian, most people just think you're completely insane. But the greatest thing about it is, and it's got, it's just sort of like a white bean stew, um, but it's got this incredibly delicious cheddar sort of scone topping oh, where you yeah. make and I think that's my um when the weather gets a bit colder later on I'm gonna I'm gonna really hit scone toppings pretty hard I reckon mm. so it's like you make a normal stew but then you make a sort of like a really quick kind of scone type um uh dough and then put balls of that or discs of that all over the top of your stew and then bake mm. it so you've got this cheesy kind of bready topping. That's great because with, with the, the absence of the, the duck, mm. the richness of the cheesy topping oh, would yeah. compensate a bit for the yeah. not having the duck. Yeah. Oh, that Another thing good. that I'm going to try um, is um, pings off something that I had for breakfast um, last week when I was on the end of the cook cookbook book tour in Hobart. And, God, I love going to Tasmania. Like, you always just find something absolutely mm. fabulous um, food-wise. We went to this little place called uh, Room for a Pony. Oh. Great name. Yeah. Um, it's in North uh, Hobart on Elizabeth Street. And it's a converted service station. They've made it oh. into a cafe. So it's got this, like, it's got this kind of giant forecourt that's sort of awkwardly got some tables on it. But inside, oh. it's just it's beautiful. Like, they've done a really great job of making this old servo mm. really cool. And the, the menu is just so brilliant. Like, how often do you go to a breakfast place and, like, normally it's like, well, we've got some avocado smash, we've got a blah, 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 we've got a, you know, croque monsieur. But it, everything on it was really original. And I had a fresh sweet corn polenta with um, eggplant pickle and a sort of, and with a baked, with an egg baked in this polenta, oh, you know, in a clay pot. But, like, I've seen a recipe in one of the Otolenghi books for, um, fresh polenta and it's like instead of working from the dried you know mm. polenta grain sort of thing and rehydrating it in a pan so it goes all sort of gluggy I've never been a, like a no. super huge fan no. of polenta just like it feels like just bulk yeah okay. um but I tell you what fresh sweet corn polenta is out of this world and mm. I, from what I remember of the Otolenghi recipe because I've put a post-it note on it going gotta make that is you just sort of shave the corn cobs off the cob uh, the kernels off the cob, and then you put them in a food processor so you sort of make them to a bit of a sludge. Right. And then you kind of knob a butter in the pan and sort of cook it oh, like that. Oh, so right. it becomes like a porridge, but it's so different from the dried stuff. It's got that sweetness and sort of depth. Mm, yum. Oh, my God. Sounds absolutely Seriously. delicious. Yeah, I feel like going to Tasmania just to have that. I think it's really going to just change my life. Mm. Um, I'm going to try and reproduce it in some Very way with, nice. with Yotam's help. I don't have enough people around for breakfast. Like, I never get a chance to cook breakfast food, but there's yeah. so many delicious breakfast food. Right, yeah, but I mean, you know, how often do you have time as well? Well, you just don't. Um, I, you know, I'm trying to pick which of my recipes of the year. I'd go on exactly the same thing I went on last year, which is what have I made the most frequently. Yeah. And I'm sure no one will be surprised to know that it's both things out of a Yoram Ottolenghi book, both from Jerusalem. One is, I can't remember if I've talked about it on the podcast, it's a rice and chicken dish where it's all done in the one pot. Mm. And you basically Love a single put, pot. Fantastic. You put the um, uncooked arborio rice in with some chicken and you know, spices and onions and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, you cover it and then you just sort of cook it all together and then there's this 
step at the end where you quick you turn off the heat, you quickly pull the lid off, you put a tea towel over the top, and you put the lid back on, Ooh, and then right. you just fluff it up and put yeah. some coriander and um, parsley through it. Really, really delicious, and feeds a lot of people and very, yeah. very easy dish. So I've made that heaps. And the other one that I've made, you know, just about every time I've had people for dinner is in the same book. It's a baked cauliflower with pomegranate seeds over the top of it. Oh, oh it's just, it's the one I think I said in the podcast. You know, you can put anything in the oven at 220 and doused in olive oil, salt and pepper, yeah. my thongs, and then yeah. taste, taste delicious. That's the recipe. And sprinkle some pomegranate arrows all over. Yeah, exactly. Delicious. Yeah. Um, what about your favourite baking, like sweet baking? Oh, look, the book that I've really hit so hard this year, and I, uh, there's still lots left in it, um, is um, The Cook and Baker. Oh, which is, yeah. yeah. I've told you about it before. In fact, I've had a fossick through it at your house. Yeah. It looks amazing. It's like, it's. The funny thing is I think it's at Bondi Junction or something. I've not been to the actual shop, but apparently it's in this sort of like row of like paleo cafes or something, and it's just like, hi, we do donuts <laughs> and really like really calorific slices. And wow. and the, one of the people who runs it is I think from New Zealand, so there's that kind of New Zealand baking kind of um, aesthetic too. But it's just it's so satisfying. It's just a really great book, and I've I've just cooked lots of stuff out of that um they have this oaty ginger slice which i think i've brought out yeah, to your yeah, house before was, which lovely. is just like oh double ginger just fabulous um the cake that i've probably made more times this year is uh, than anything else is the sticky gingerbread cake from yeah, Magella Lawson. Off um i've got her new cookbook by the way um because i'm interviewing her in in january mm. Come on! <laughs> um at the opera house and God, I'm pretty excited about that. I really like Nigella Lawson. Now, people kind of, you know, because she's so intensely sort of famous and super popular and stuff like that, there is a kind of a school of like, oh, you know. Yeah, she got smashed when I think that book came out where she, or a new show and people were like, really? She just told us how to do avocado on toast? Yeah. Are you joking? I don't know. I, I think that she's a bit of a genius. And one of the reasons why I like her so much is because um, – a, her recipes are always great. I don't mind avocado on toast because I love it. And mm. she's, there's a few bits and bobs in the avocado. Yeah. Like it's not just, um, you know, avocado on toast. But I like her um, approach. I like the things that are important to her. They're kind of important to me too. Like butter. Yeah, like butter. <laughs> yeah, <pretty laughs> I agree. About saturated fats. Um, but also... Um, I like the way that her tastes change. Like sometimes she'll want something super, you know, healthy, but then she doesn't kind of freak out about mm. doing something with like a kilo of butter in it either because that's the way I live my life too and I really I enjoy it. And there's heaps of great stuff in the book. Um, the thing that I've got earmarked to make just as soon as I have a sort of calorific excuse for it is this great thing called um, old rag pie. I and saw that. Yeah, yeah, right. So it's like... All, it's like bits of phyllo pastry all sort of torn up and then you kind of use the phyllo to line a tin and then you make this kind of eggy mess that's got um, like salty cheese and egg and something else in it, I don't know, and then more of the pastry strips kind of like folded through it and I think it's probably got a bit of spring onion or herbs or something like that and then you bake it so it's this kind of cheesy, eggy mm. kind of... Yeah, I know, it's just like... Yeah, it's the full comfort food. Yum, beautiful. It's the sort of thing that you defensively serve with a rocket salad or something. <laughs> you know, like... um, I the the again thing that I have baked the most, which I have also given you, is uh, that chocolate 
Chinese five spice oh, cake. That's outstanding. It's truly a brilliant Where is that cake. It's out of Belinda Jeffrey mix and bake. Right. Um, it's basically yeah, it's gluten free also because there's no flour. It's very eggy. You yeah, know? right. Um, gluten free. I'm doing more and more of it these mm. days. Mm. And yeah, just and I think it wasn't it some ridiculous. I remember we talked about. It seemed like a lot of Chinese sauce, like yeah. five tablespoons or yeah. something. You think, oh my God, that's going to be out of control. But actually, I love recipes beautiful. where you think it's a typo. Yeah, but actually mm. that was sensational and that was my favourite of that stuff. Um, what about, what about what do you reckon your favourite books of the year were? Um, Ligonado's running one, very late, I might add. What <laughs> who does he think he is? Keeping me waiting for 28 minutes. There is no interview. <laughs> we all know there's no interview. Um, uh, look... The book that I read this year, I've read heaps of great books this year, but the one that I just put down and just had this suffusing feeling of happiness and satisfaction was Amy Bloom's book, Lucky Us. Oh, yeah. Um, I talked about it a bit at the time, um, and I met her at the Sydney Writers' Festival because we were on a panel together. Um, it's just intelligent, so elegant with that sort of spare elegance of, like, it just really, um, it really reminded me... Um, of um, uh, F. Scott Fitzgerald in some kind of, but in a more modern way. It had that kind of sparse elegance of prose. I just loved it. And it's a great story written so beautifully. It's about, um, you know, it, it, it's about this young girl in the 1940s. It's kind of like World War II, um, what's happening in America. And like a lot of World War II writing is all about what's happening where the bullets are flying, but there's a, it's a really interesting perspective, not only on um, America, but on um, the experience of um, German expats in America at that mm. time. Um, it's, yeah, it's a, great, it's a great book, and I've recommended it to heaps of people um, and will continue to do so. I, my favourite was, I just only talked about it last week, uh, Reckoning by Magda Spansky. Yeah. It was just so good. So I listened to the, um, the first half of her podcast with Richard Feidler oh, last yeah. night and um, while I was up making rumbles and then I got dropped, so I haven't finished listening to it. I haven't read it either, but it's on my pile for summer. Mm. It's just an It was just so well story. written yeah. and the story was really good. I, I mean, I love autobiography. I love mm. biography too, but um, I just thought it was great. The other one that it was also um, autobiography, totally different in tone, but geez, it was a good read. It would be a good Christmas holiday read. Was Amanda Keller's book, Natural oh, Born yes, Keller. Oh, so good. Oh, it was so yes. funny. I just, I was laughing aloud and I couldn't, I just kept wanting to read it all the time because it just made me feel really happy and good. And I particularly recollections of the 80s and being like a sort of teenager <laughs> in the 80s is so funny because I, I don't know, maybe it's just our age and cohort or whatever, but every time, like, even she, she kind of described, you know, knitting herself one of those farmyard scene jumpers, <laughs> like with sheep, and I'm like, I just found my old one of those the other day and I'm trying to get my daughter to wear it. No way. Hey, um, I just noticed your mic's rubbing on your shirt. I hope oh, it's just been the whole time. Oh, I hope oh, there's no geez. sound issue. Oh, oh, that would be sorry, a first, wouldn't it? Oh. That's terrible. Um, that was super funny, wasn't What it? about, though, I've read so many books by, com by comedians this year that they're all starting to, like, blend into each yeah. other. Like, I found this when I interviewed Stephen Fry. Clang! Um, Not Stephen I'd, Fry I'd, again. When I read his Gosh. autobiography, there are thousands of you know, editions of it, you know, well, the, there's, um, he's really only 
um, worked through half of his life. He's just a compulsive, you know, memoirist, I guess. But I read it at the same time as Greg Fleet's book. And so I'm always like, hang on, which of you was it that shot up under the bridge in, in Glasgow? Was that like, oh, no, that was Fleet. Right, OK. Because they both uh, at some points detail their struggles with various substances. I'm kind of totally forgetting which of them was which. I'm like, That's why my worry if I read the Magda Zabansky book and I'll be, next time I run into Amanda Keller, I'll be like, what about that time when your dad turned out to be a Polish assassin? Oh, no, hang on a minute. That was the other funny lady. You're the one who loves Barry Manilow, right? Yeah. Sorry, sorry, my bad. Um, now, what about uh, the other thing is, you know, just stuff that you stumble across on the internet or, you know, articles that you read online or whatever. Is there anything that leaps out at your... Yeah, well, you're normally the great person for finding that stuff, and uh, frankly, it's why I continue to be friends with you, just like for interesting New Yorker articles that I wouldn't necessarily have seen. I mean, Otherwise, the I, things, I actually get the New Yorker ear. delivered, and and yet some weeks I just don't get to it, and I find something like, oh, wow, what about this? And it's mm. been sitting, you know, in this sort of shaky pile on my no. dining room table for, I don't know. Anyway, but the thing, the, like, magazine article I reckon I read that I just, that really blew my mind was a, a new New Yorker article um, about, uh, it's called something like Where the Bodies Are Buried. I'll just check. That's it right, it was called that. Yeah, yeah um, and it's about, um, uh, it's about the Troubles. Um, it's by a writer called Patrick Radden Keefe. Um, it's about um, Jerry Adams and his, the extent of his involvement in the IRA. And it goes back to the story of a family, like of kids whose mother was like taken away from one of the notorious towers in the middle of the night and they never saw her again. Um, just a, yeah, it's a, it's a great gripping piece. Mm. And it tells you so much um, about, the troubles from a sort of different perspective. And I, it's always, like, I've been thinking a lot about, you know, um, the Northern Ireland conflict just in the last month or two because, you know, um, just because as the sort of terrorist incidents kind of become more frequent, you think back to mm. the most analogous sort of past um, incidents and, you know, you think of, Margaret Thatcher being at that party conference and having her hotel room bombed. Like, can you imagine? Oh. Because it's part of history, even though it's quite recent history, you kind of incorporate that and you think, oh, yes, of course, the IRA bombings. Mm. But, like, there was a time in London oh, not that long ago yeah. that, you know, oh, you go to the pub all. and there's always half a chance that the place will right. blow up, or right? Or or imagine, like, or... you know, mm. a prime minister being, you know, oh. like she was just in the wrong part of the hotel room. Um, for the purposes of the bomb and, and wasn't killed. But, of course, you know, some of her Incredible. colleagues were. Incredible. Yeah. Um, I didn't get around to reading that at the time, even though you and multiple yeah. people have raved about it, so I've really got to get onto it. My um, Look, there was just so much good stuff that I came across. One of the things that I really loved was something you recommended to me and re mentioned on the podcast, The Living Room by Diane oh, Reed heard about. God, that was amazing, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, the woman who was spying on the neighbours next door through the window and the, yeah. the husband got cancer. Um I also absolutely loved this thing. We'll put a link to it on our website, chat10looks3.com. Oh, well done. If you like us, visit us, give us a review on iTunes as well. It was the song Uptown Funk, yeah. and they had cut all old Hollywood musical dance sequences to Uptown Funk. Oh, oh that's such man. a great idea. It was 
brilliant. Absolutely. I loved it. It was like pound for pound, probably the most pleasurable three minutes of oh, my year. Oh, God, that's so good. I want to just fantastic. stop talking to you and go look at that right away. I'll pull it up as soon as we stop recording. I know it's really lame to say an animal thing for something you really loved on the internet. but <laughs> no, like, I love them. What about earlier this year when those two llamas escaped in Arizona? <laughs> and like that just security footage of these cops trying to get these two llamas. Look, llamas are the most oh, absurd animal. They're just instant comedy. Like, what about when alpacas were really cool? Like, you know, they were the business opportunity of the year. You know, yeah. hello, ding, ding, ding. But they're so great and so weird looking. Like, Completely. who would invent the llama? What about that honey, that incredibly clever honey badger that kept escaping out of that zoo enclosure? Oh, yeah. Like the cleverest animal you've ever seen in your life. It was just oh, I amazing. love a honey badger. I want to see a honey it's badger. It's an underrated badger. Dale Sale. <laughs> Dale's going to be able to keep that honey badger in mind. Uh, now, I've got, that's pretty much our best of. Yeah. I've got a real... Oh, oh, I've got one more thing. Yes. It's not even it. a thing, but just something that I've loved so much this year. And yes. I just, it's so shallow of me and so, you know, terrible. But I just, mobile's dating patterns this year oh, have just, yeah. lo- I've just, oh. So you say what you like about James Packer, but... He's just given so richly in recent years. Like, I mean, what was it last year that he did the fight with David Ginger? Oh, like, yeah. just such pleasure. I oh, just felt an almost leader. full body suffusion yeah. with pleasure when I saw those pictures. Just like, and also, um, Packer and Mariah Carey, I just I can't get enough. Gold. Um, do yourself a favor. Um, Mia Friedman actually sent me this link, and I've just been, I, I just want to go and give her a hug. <laughs> Um, she sent me a link to uh, an article um, that had pictures of Mariah Carey's Halloween with her two kids and James Packer who was there wearing a Phantom of the Opera mask. (laughs) It is just, oh my God, it's just... Just Google Mariah Carey Halloween and see what comes up. Yeah, that's all you need. Yeah, And Rupert Murdoch. He is brilliant. Just, I know that mm. that sort of stuff has actually been very. I know he's onto Twitter, but I wish he'd be onto that Twitter Periscope thing where you can just like you know. <laughs> I would watch that. Just a live broadcast of what Rupert Murdoch's up to right now. Now you said when you just said burst out and said, oh, "I've got to share something that I really liked." Yeah. Um, oops, sorry, I just bumped my mic. Um, at the end of last podcast, you said, "No, I want to say something," and then you said, "No, no, no, I'm going to hang on to it for the." Oh, yeah, yeah, like I have that. got something to say, oh. and that is. One of the most pleasant things about <laughs> sorry, my phone's ringing, and it's just somebody very That's funny. So, um, not want to hear. Okay, so one of the, I went all around the country um, on cookbook tour, which is the nicest thing ever because you know you just meet lovely people and talk about scones, like it's the greatest thing ever. But one of the really significant things that I noticed about this cookbook tour is that it was. Full. Every event we did was just absolutely crammed with chat. Ten, look, look, three listeners. I had no idea there were so many. And some of them would bring baking, like we've talked about it a bit in past episodes, and, and there are literally too many people to name, really, who came up and and gave things or, you know, fantastic shortbread or um, I went to Google to do something yesterday and this lovely lady called Jane brought in some Rocky Road. Yeah, which is yum. It was yeah. delicious. Delish, yeah. Oh, it had shortbread in it. Oh, oh you know. It was delicious. Thank you. Shortbread and Rocky awesome. Road together lovely. at last. Um, so, I don't know. It was just so touching and lovely and exciting and it was just often the most common thing that people say to me, and I don't know if this is the same with you, Sales, is um, – Oh, you know, I love the podcast because it's like talking to friends mm, and definitely. and it's just the most 
lovely thing to notice in that experience was realizing that there are there's this whole network of friends everywhere and um i really enjoyed that so um to anyone who kind of came up and um said hello or brought something or you know would if i came to their town or you did you know or who is listening to this right now when they're like walking their baby around or um on the bus on the way to work or you know hanging out um with us in a break from their otherwise busy life hello yes. and thank you so much it's yes. just been um such a great year of meeting people and yeah and like, finding I friends not sum it up better than what you've just summed it up and also sorry for people as you mentioned on public transport because a lot of people t- uh, tweet me and say um you've embarrassed me because i've been laughing on the train everyone's <laughs> looking at me but look so we apologize for that <laughs> but no you guys are fantastic and as Krem says meeting lots of you is a great great pleasure now um, um uh, can i give you my present yes you have can i been... tell you first though that i feel awful because i went to some trouble to organize your present oh my goodness it's a lot oh of yeah stuff. It's three she's giving me three presents yeah i have and because i'm three times as organized as you, you are and it has not um, oh that's a card that i didn't write sorry it has not arrived in time oh, and yeah. i've been so oh, looking it's forward Post's fault. Yeah, no. to giving it to I you hardly ever hear that on the podcast now i've got as i'm sure you'd all be aware i've got this immaculately wrapped three presents with a lovely paper open boat. that one first all right oh it feels like a book and you know what's going to happen to that straight in the bin <laughs> it's a copy of my uh uh highly successful but many years old book rise of the rudbot read the inscription oh, <laughs> read the inscription you're such a monster this book was given, given to Lee Sales as a Christmas present from her dear friend Annabelle Crabb. If you are leaving through it in a second-hand bookshop, it means that Sales is a poor friend and a feckless wench. <laughs> Please feel free to contact her on her personal mobile, 0186, oh, I won't say number, or drop it in at her home and it's got my actual address. Merry Christmas. <laughs> A piece of work. <laughs> just, oh, now this one doesn't feel like a book, so. No, it's, it's, <laughs> that's hilarious. Imagine if you did. Do you know what I'm almost tempted to do now? Put it in Chuck a bookshop and see if someone rings me. Because yeah. <laughs> that would make a really good story for the podcast. Where did you find this? So this is an Australian blue wren oven mitt, <laughs> which I will have to be putting up a photo of that is unbelievable where did you find that i found it at the national museum of australia (laughs) (laughs) i've got to say it was bloody reasonably priced as well wow Mm. and so were you actually looking for blue wren merchandise or was it just a happy coincidence no i was there uh visiting the national museum of australia with my children and um i wandered into the gift shop and stumbled over it more or less immediately and thought there's the added bonus is that I'm going to be able to like sort of burn this little rant I know yeah pans yeah. and you know so yeah. it's sort of got that little pretty cute though, huh? on as well oh I love these presents are fantastic and yeah and even worse about giving you absolutely <laughs> nothing I've got two lots of baked goods I'm opening my third present you've got nothing um and, oh uh-huh. is it going to be yeah. yes your own the copy of the, the baker. baker. Oh, yeah. 
legend. This one is definitely not going to be thrown out because, as I said before, I've already leafed through it at your house yeah. and just every page went, oh, yeah. yes, please. You won't regret it. For example, like page 68 that I just opened to, Passion Fruit Custard Squares. Yeah. Who uh-huh. doesn't want yeah. to eat That's that. what I mean about that kind of slight New Zealand kind of chic thing going on. Very um, lovely. Incidentally, on the cooking front, I notice on your desk here you've got the Gourmet Traveller Ultimate Christmas Cookbook. Mm-hmm. Man, there's some good stuff in there. Exactly. I'm planning to bake my way through that. Um, and for Christmas dessert, I'm thinking, I've been thinking for a while it's trifle time. Mm. I haven't done a Christmas trifle for a while. And there is one for a Black Forest trifle in Ooh, that Very nice. Book. I um, ripped, I've just went through ripping out a few things out of some various gourmet travellers. And I made a thing the other week that I was going to make for you today if I had time and I just haven't. But it is, it's a bit trifly. It's called a tray leke cake, which is mm. three milk, mm. South American thing. Um, it's basically a sponge and then you poke holes all over the top of it and mm. soak it with um, condensed milk, evaporated milk, regular milk and a little bit of brandy. Whoa. And then pour it all over. It all just sort of basically soaks in. But then the cake, when you cut it, it's, it remains, you don't serve it out like a pudding. You actually mm. cut it into yeah. slices of like little square cake. Yeah. And then you put some cream on top of it. I think it would go quite nicely with roasted flaked almonds as well yeah, on right. top. Oh, oh my God, it is just Wow, delicious. how interesting. Yeah, so I'll make you that and, um, and we, can, we can do that. Now, um, I think we will have a little break for a while. <laughs> Although we yeah. often have people are probably like, you guys are always having little breaks yeah. in the podcast. <laughs> Maybe we'll be back in January sometime. Yeah, we'll maybe. be back in the new yeah. year when we're, whenever we're back from our holidays. We've got a bit of travel and a bit of things to do, and as I'm sure all of you do. A bit of nothing to do. I've got a bit of nothing. <laughs> um, um, I've got some books to read. Do you can't notice, Sales, that um, Leonardo DiCaprio hasn't called you? What? It's a little alarming. What's, what's going on with that? Walk with me into my producer as an All right, we're we tied together so in that kind just, of push people yes, you and I'm sense. Excuse me, Julia. Hi everybody, this is Julia, my producer. I'll just Hello, stand everyone. I'll stand nearer so she's on mic. Um, there's Leonardo, he's now forty-four minutes late. Who does he think he is? Crab thinks that I've made it up and that I don't <laughs> actually have an interview with Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. Why are you making those urgent hand movements at Shut Julia? Up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Look, um, I'm sure he's just really busy. Um, Does, have you told him who I am? I have told him who you are. I've been sending him some like rude abusive text messages. Maybe what? he's just not that into you, sales. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he's getting mauled by a bear. He might be getting mauled by a bear. He's going to be mauled by you if he's not careful. Well, that's right. Are we getting a bit of a what for when he finally <laughs> rings through? <laughs> anyway. Yeah. All right. We want to know what's going five on here. Minutes. Five minutes. Oh, well, we'll see. It's just very deeply disappointing to me that I didn't get that. Salzy, Leonardo DiCaprio is on the phone. I know. He was meant to call at 11. <laughs> they said, and then they called me and said 20 past 11, and they said half past, and it's now... 45 minutes not, past the hour. Not good, Leonardo. Have you ever kept anyone waiting that long? I don't think so, because I, yeah. Yeah, you've got more to lose. <laughs> <laughs> How long are you going to give him before you're just like, no, nah, I want to go to lunch? <laughs> He can have another. My my advice minutes. for this interview was for sales only to ask him questions about Titanic. It's <laughs> like you were so convincing. Like uh, you just looked so in love with Kate Winslet. Like, did you really love her? Or maybe, maybe I can open now with Leonardo. Welcome to the program. Let's talk about manners, <laughs> <laughs> punctuality. <laughs> anyway, all right, we'll right, leave it here. Merry Christmas, up. everyone. Merry Christmas Bye to you. Bye from me. Bye from Julia. Bye. <laughs>